0: You're listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Lubbock, Texas. Redeemer Church is a gospel-centered, missional family of disciples making disciples and churches planting churches. If you would like to get more information or donate to this ministry, please visit RedeemerLubbock.org. Good morning, everybody. Uh, My name is Dusty. I'm one of the pastors here. Really appreciate you being here today. And um, we're, you, you can tell from the reading, we're, we're talking about the Lord's Supper, um, communion. In other words, there's a lot of different names for this. And it's one of those things that we do in church that you're like, we do I know that we do that in church. Like at Redeemer, we do this pretty much every single Sunday, unless there's like a special occasion or something like that. We don't feel necessarily like the Bible commands us to do it. Um, I think churches do that different ways in terms of frequency and all that. Uh, but um, it's one of those things that at some regularity, churches take the Lord's Supper, um, you know, we, we sing, somebody gets up and preaches. There's all these things we do, but you're like, why do we do that? Does the Bible tell us to, or did somebody just think this was a, a good thing to do? Who knows what, you know? And so um, it's a little bit of a routine, and I guess there's always a risk of that. Anything that's just something that we do a lot, that um, it's something we may just kind of go through the motions on. And I, I think that there's probably a few different things that communion doesn't do, and I'd like to start off with that, uh, because uh, I, I think these are misconceptions about the Lord's Supper or communion, whether you've grown up a church or not. Um, that I think there's at least three that I can think of about what you may think it does, but it doesn't actually do. Um, the first one is it doesn't actually save you. Um, there are some traditions that think it does. And a lot of us may, even though you may be part of a church like Redeemer, that certainly would not think that taking the communion elements, the bread and the juice, that, that they, would, they would save you. But you may deep down think that, well, you know, um, I better get up there and make sure I, I take communion so I'm okay with God. And uh, maybe even worse, you may feel like you need to, like every Sunday you may need resaving by taking the elements. So I just want to be super clear up front that taking the communion elements does not save you, does not make you right with God, does not like uh, get you into heaven, any of that. First thing, second one that's related to it, but I I think it's worth mentioning in a different note would be it doesn't atone for sin. So um, that would mean like, let's say you had a wild Saturday night and things got a little crazy, or um, that may not be exactly your lifestyle right now. You're like, dude, things hadn't gotten crazy in 40 years. All right. So they ain't getting get crazy, but okay. For you, it might be, um, you raise your voice at your spouse or your children, and that happens too much. All right. And, and so you, you can think, oh man, I got a little crazy last night and I screamed at my kids again or whatever. And then, but I'm going to go, Um, You know, I may not be great But I'm going to go take those communion elements And it's going to kind of like fix that It's going to kind of like make up for a crazy Saturday night And I don't really have any intention of not going out Next Saturday night like that again I don't really have any intention of of not yelling at my spouse Or screaming at my kids I'm not really planning on like something that would look like repentance And a deeper trust in God For him to transform me and change me But um, but maybe just taking these communion elements Will kind of like atone for bad things And then then I'll be fine And I'll be all all clean and good Um, It doesn't do that, All right, That's not how it works uh, third one is just like magic, almost a magical property, and um, there's actually like a lot of people. Like there's even a magical term that is actually communion-related. You may not know. So, um, you know, for a long, long, long time, the Catholic Church, uh, up until Vatican II in the '60s, they would do their their mass in Latin. All right, so the whole um, the whole thing. And uh, one of the um, one of the things that uh, whenever the priest would uh, begin to uh, you know serve communion to the church. What they would do is, he would say in Latin, he would say, Hoc est corpus meum, all right? Corpus meum. It just means in Latin, this is my body. And it's the words of Christ that are actually quoted in this passage we're talking about today. You can read those words verbatim in um, in the gospel accounts. So this is certainly not a critique of uh, the, the, the priests there are just quoting scripture and they're just doing it in Latin. But people that may not have known Latin or whatever, and then they'd ring a bell. And according to you know Catholic doctrine, the body of Christ actually would transform, or the bread would actually transform into the real body of Christ. And there's been lots of debates about that over the years and and whatnot, but and my point is not to so much get into those waters, but they would ring the bell and they'd hear the priest say hocus corpus Maum, and then there'd be people hearing this and go ooh hocus pocus, you know that's where the words hocus pocus come from, is it kind of sounds like hocus corpus Maum. and so the idea would be ooh there's something magical that happens here, and and so again, and it's kind of related to the atonement idea and the salvation idea of. I don't really know what happens, and I don't even know if I really believe in all the Bible stuff and Jesus stuff, but I'm going to go take those elements because I think they may have some kind of magical property, you know, that's something that will give me some kind of strength, maybe some kind of blessing, maybe, if I go take these elements. And so I just want to be really clear, there's not going to be any hocus pocus, and when you take communion, it's not going to save you, it's not going to atone for any sin, um, it's not going to um, have any magical property for you. So I want to be, like, really clear about that. So um, on the front end, and I think we just might have a tendency to either take Take communion too lightly, think it's magic. I'll add this there's a whole other set of, of someone in here that, both for baptism and communion, those are the only like sacraments in the church, that um, you may not feel worthy of those things and you may have such a high esteem and you may feel unworthy to be able to encounter the Lord in that way. And so you might take it too lightly, think it's magic, or um, feel unworthy ever uh, because you're aware of your sin. And so like, I think we just misunderstand it. And I think this passage may be really helpful today to not only understand communion, but even maybe meet the Lord, um, even as we actually move from lecture to lab on this um, after I'm done preaching, you know? So let's uh, let's go ahead and start reading this through. And so you can understand the context for why it is that Paul's picking a little bit of a fight right now um, that needs to be picked. Um, this church is kind of a mess. So in some ways it encourages me. I'm like, Redeemer is nearly as bad as the Corinthians church. Maybe we're all right, you know? And so um, anyways, I'm just messing around, but I, I think that hopefully this will be helpful. Verse 17, but in the following instructions, I do not commend you. So he's saying, hey, I got tough words for you uh, because when you come together, it's not, not for the better, but it's actually, it's actually makes things worse whenever you gather. Like it'd been better if you wouldn't have. Uh, for in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you and I believe it in part um, for there must be factions. So divisions and factions, what we're talking about, um, there must be those among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. So this is not new that if you were with us in the fall at Redeemer, we've been going through 1 Corinthians You know, since then, is this, this has come up several times, is there be some people that like this preacher, some other ones that like this preacher and hey, we feel like we've got this like next level, knowledge and those guys are just kind of got their basic entry-level understanding of like the real basics but we're like serious about all that and so there's all these factions and divisions and um, that this is not new again in this letter but he's pointing it out even in regards to um, the taking of communion all right and says when you come together verse 20 it's not the lord's supper you eat I think you think that's what you're doing but this ain't the Lord's Supper that I know, you know, that coming together under his grace because of Jesus' death and resurrection, and he explains why in verse 21. So says, for an eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. Uh, one goes hungry, another get, gets drunk. Um, what? And I like that, like exclamation point. Uh, do you not have houses to eat and drink, or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? Nope. I'm not going to commend this. I'm not going to sign off on this. I can't endorse this. So what was happening, and I actually love this thought of taking communion this way, is that it's not practical for us. I don't know that we could come up here with, um, you know, uh, breakfast egg and uh, cheese burritos up here with like great salsas from some of our best breakfast burrito uh, places around town. And we got all these things and we could actually just sit down and share a meal together. And even while we're doing that, also um, in addition, just having a meal of fellowship to say, hey, the night that Christ was betrayed, um, he took the bread and he he broke it. And he said, this is my body. And they, they're, so they were actually taking a full meal together. We take a symbolic one here uh, because of the practical realities of it, but probably in homes, they were having a full meal, but what was crazy about it is is that these factions and divisions were, um, were, had permeated so much that in addition to some of the leadership rivalries, or rivalries we have, this one appears to be at a certain level socioeconomic. And that you have one group of people that are um, eating and drinking so much that, they're, oh, they're having Christ's blood, all right, I mean, like, lots and lots of it, so much so that, uh, that they are drunk. They've had so much wine that represents Christ's blood shed for them that they are legitimately uh, buzzed, if not drunk. And uh, uh, surely eating so much, too, that they are, oh, boy, are they ever participating in the death of Christ? I mean, they are. And um, and then the contrast to that is probably some of their brothers and sisters with less means um, are just kind of sitting there. And they're not, they're not getting anything. Like, they're, they legitimately came to this fellowship meal. Think potluck, except while you're taking potluck, you're observing the Lord's Supper, like, embedded with a meal. That um, imagine uh, imagine coming up here for a member meeting. We've done potlucks here for member meetings before. And there'll be a whole set of you that are like, yeah, you, you ain't taking today. You could just kind of hang out. We're going to enjoy this meal. You can just kind of hang out here and watch us do all these things. And we will participate in the Lord's Supper, but you not so much. And so again, like you're just trying to imagine how you get there with that. Like how you would do that and think it, it's, uh, it's okay and probably for this whole set that we're taking, you had these divisions and like these ugly, ugly things in their heart that seem very out of line with faith in Jesus and the grace of Jesus. And by the way, if you're not a Christian, this is probably something that's really bothered you about Christians for a long time. It's like, you know, you go up there and feel like it just makes you awesome because you went to church or something like that. And yet I see what kind of business person you are. I see how you've run around in your spouse up at, uh, up at the office. And I've seen, um, I've seen what you, how you, uh, how you take advantage of customers. And i seen whatever like I've seen all these things but you think that you're all fine because you go to church on Sundays and that's f- for sure what was happening here. Like the apostle Paul's actually calling them out. So if you're not a-, a Christian, this may feel like very validating, going, wow, I actually really appreciate Um, that some of the hypocrisy would just be named. He said, this isn't the Lord's Supper. Um, That um, There's not some, again, that that taking communion lightly or even some magical property. I think that's where you have to go, is that, yeah, we know that we are discriminating against some of our brothers and sisters that maybe have less means, or maybe just some people we don't like, or they like the wrong preacher, or who knows what. However, they've landed there, and we feel justified in it. But you know what? Um, It's all fine, and we're not going to be judged by God, and we're not sinning uh, because... We took communion, and so it's all fine. Like a hocus pocus. It just just fixed it. It just atoned. It just atoned for all that evil stuff in our heart. You know what? We can just rinse and repeat and do it again next week, that it'll be fine. So um, the, the Lord's Supper. Is um, just a it's something different than that. It's it's saying a union with Jesus, and it's saying a union with one another, which we're going to see uh, see even more clearly in just uh, in just a moment. But I just do think that that this is really important here. Is that like real blatant discrimination? I think most of us in here would be like, yeah, that's gross. She shouldn't do that. But I do think it, it's interesting how. I don't think our kinds of discrimination are as apparent. A, a I'm sure racism is still very much alive and well. I'm sure that there's discrimination based on what people are, uh, class, people are, and all that. I can't imagine anybody would, at this point, at Redeemer, say, "Hey, you know, you're not welcome here to take communion." No one would do that. Uh, but I do think we do a lot of uh, just kind of exclusion of looking around, and being like, "Yeah, she's not my kind of person." You know, you can just size someone up, like what kind of class they are, socioeconomically, um, where their education is, what kind of job they do, their personality, even their age, and be like, "Yeah, I'm not." I mean, you could be older, young, and do it. You might be older and be like, "Yeah, I'm I'm not. I'm not feeling all those college students and those young adults and all the babies. I ain't feeling all that. I'm just going to kind of hang out with people my age." And you could be younger and be like, "Oh yeah, if you're not 21, you're invisible to me, and I'm not interested." It it could be a lot of different ways. It could play out in so many different ways. We're just constantly excluding, and you might be polite about it, but you're not, um, there's not this culture of acceptance, inclusion, representation of our unity we have because of the spilled blood of Jesus. That's the kind of thing he's calling out divisions. And those are probably subtle, they're polite, um, and yet um, he's saying, no, 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 that whenever we exclude one another, it's actually um, undercutting this gospel picture of Jesus's death and resurrection. So um, what I want to turn to now is I want to turn to what it does look like. In, um, in, in this next part, about it. we've talked a lot about what it doesn't look like, which are all the magic and atonement and saving. It doesn't do any of that. Um, it's not a division where you feel like some magical thing happened, even though we're sinning and how we relate with one another, that uh, he's just highlighting how inconsistent it is. But he's actually going to say, here's what it's for in these next few verses. And I should mention that it's just assumed this passage is not addressing it. But it's assumed that, and I'm not I'm not mad about this. I'm just throwing out a practice of the church of two thousand years, and um, as well as what I think the Scripture teaches that the practice is, is, you're baptized first. Baptism represents your, it's like the initiation into the family of God. That that's It uh, represents your conversion. It's done one time. We believe at Redeemer, after you believe in Jesus, that that's, that's the ordering of it. You're baptized and then, after you're baptized, you take communion all the time. And um, However often your church takes it at Redeemer, it's nearly every Sunday. If your church takes it quarterly, that's fine, but you're going to take it regularly with the church um, as a representation of, of you're still abiding in Christ, that got Christ's promises still being true to you, and baptism is a statement of conversion, and um, communion is going to be a, station, a, a statement of an ongoing dependence on Christ, and Christ's promises being ongoing. So if you want to talk that through, um, we'd love to have that conversation. This is, uh, this is not something that, that we're mad about, but if you want to talk this through, I, all the time we'll talk to parents that are trying to figure out should we let our kid take communion? We don't feel like they're ready for baptism, but should we let them take communion? And humbly what I would say is that if they're not ready for baptism yet, then I would say um, humbly, I would suggest, and this would be true for adults too. Then you wouldn't be ready for communion yet either, because it's the it's the same it's the same weight as baptism. It just represents the ongoing grace uh, of God in our lives as Christians. So um, please do come talk with us, um, because I realize this may this may have like thrown you off. You're like, dude, I've been popping um, communion elements like candy over the last few weeks, and uh, I had no idea that I need to be baptized again. I, I wouldn't call that like even sinning. I would just say it's a disordered practice, and let's just get that synced up. We have baptisms here all the time and do, um, there's only two sacraments, and there's one that starts your, um, represents the start of your relationship with Jesus and one that represents your ongoing connection with the Lord. All right, so verse 23, here's what it does do. For i received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night which he was betrayed took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you, Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Alright, so in some ways one commentator I read said this is like an acting out of the gospel is Jesus instituted this feast right before he was crucified but he's saying hey, um, we're going to continue to take it. I'm, gonna, I'm instituting this for my people that you're going to remember the cross that I'm about to go to. Um, you're going to do it for thousands of years. When you gather you're going to remember and you're going you're gonna to hear sermons, sure, we're going to sing songs, yes but we're actually going to act out the gospel and I love this. It's Uh, it's tactile like you can you can touch it you can taste it there's even smell you know Hopefully not like funky, you know, but I'm just saying like, but it's like taste, touch, smell. Um, Even hearing, whenever you walk forward the way that we do it at Redeemer, you're going to be like having to like step over people around, and you know, swim, move, come in there, like all that, like there's offensive tackles blocking you. But then when you get up there, that's even a relational element that it's not just you and Jesus. It's an us and Jesus, but there's going to be a person that's going to say, and this represents Christ's body broken for you. This blood represents Christ's blood, or this juice represents Christ's uh, blood that's shed for you. And like, you're gonna hear someone say this to you. And so it's like this acting out of the gospel message that isn't just something that we believe that's an idea, but it's a real reality. And so here's the thing that I wanna encourage you about this is no, it's not magical. No, it doesn't save you. No, it doesn't atone for a wild Saturday night or for screaming at your kids on the drive here. It doesn't do any of that. But I'll tell you what it does do is that if you're struggling and you are feeling hopeless, and you wonder, how in the world you 're going to have energy to put another step uh, in front of you, and you know that you failed, and you did have that wild Saturday night, and you did yell at the kids and you're even wondering, I don't even know if, if a person like me should even go forward. And you're right. I, I, I should be baptized, but I feel so unworthy. I don't even think I can. And I don't know how I'm going to move forward with it all. And if you've ever felt weary and you're wondering how in the world you're going to make it through, um, what communion is saying is, oh, you're exactly the person that needs to come and take. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Let's not have these um, wicked divisions and let's, have, let's not come up. You're, we're about to hear about this in a second in hypocrisy with no intention even to trust the Lord, thinking that this is just going to magically make everything fine. Oh, not, not that, uh, but broken, weary Christians that don't know if you can go another step and don't know um, if the Lord still, if those promises are still true for you and if God's grace is going to abide all the way to the end and if the Holy Spirit is going to carry you through and you're, you're just wondering if you've been forgotten and if the Lord's moved on with more important things and he's more addressing like world hunger now or something, but like your concerns and all that um, are not really all that significant, it is, something today that when you come and take, if you're a follower of Christ, that you can touch, smell, you're going to hear, you're going to taste, you're going to do all this. And it is a reminder in acting out the promises of God are still true for you. He is still here for you. He's never left you in the same way that he saved you. His presence abides with you. His promises stay, and you still have an allegiance and a commitment to him, no matter how wobbly, no matter how messy, no matter how sidetracked you've got, that all those things are still true. Beautiful, verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And this is really neat because what this is saying is that, that there's, a, uh, there's a backward-looking element to communion that Jesus has already said, which is, hey, um, we're, we're thinking back to the cross and do this in remembrance of Jesus' death on the cross. That's what the elements represent. And there, that would also imply there's a present reality because I'm bringing me in this moment, to take these elements that I can taste and touch and smell and I hear and I, I have all of that, um, and me, this moment, with the things I'm dealing with my fears, my points of anxiety, the things that have hurt me, even my sins, all that, that He is still sufficient for me here in the present. So there's the past of Christ, even my past sins. There's me right now in this moment, the Lord's sufficiency. And there's a forward element. And it says we're going to take, take these elements, eat this bread, and drink the cup. We're going to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And listen to this. Part of the hopeful part of communion is there's a forward-looking element of the return of Christ. And when it's all made right, and these things that you're like, Ugh, I'm so frustrated and I'm, I'm hurting right now, and I don't know how I'm going to make it. I've got these things I'm afraid of. And um, I've got these pain points that when we take it, um, we are also looking forward to the return of Christ. And I think you could make a case that this meal in a way is a little bit of a token, a little bit of a, uh, of not only a remembrance of what's behind, but just like a little sample meal of the great wedding feast that is to come in the new heavens and new earth when it's all made right. And an all you can eat buffet and there's no more sin and brokenness. There's no more sense of, Oh, I, I don't know if I measure up or if I'm worthy or anything else. It, there's none of that. It's all made right. No more pain. No more loss. No more brokenness. That when we take communion, we are remembering His death. We're remembering that it's, His grace is sufficient for us right now, and the fact that someday He's going to come back and make it all right. Um, it's just a beautiful. I mean, like you're like I didn't know I was saying all that, but that's exactly what you're saying. I mean, it's powerful. Um, it's beautiful. And you're like, no, man. But I don't think I'm worthy. None of us are worthy. I mean, in fact, I would argue that's the whole point of the elements, you know, that body was broken and that blood was shed because you weren't. Only Christ was worthy. Only Christ was worthy and he qualified you to grace, to salvation, and you're taking communion that is not your spiritual resume where you're going to walk up there and be like, well, first of all, I memorized the whole book of Uh, 1 Corinthians. You know, that's not how this thing, you're not walking up here with anything. You're walking up empty-handed. He's the one that's delivering the goods, namely his body and his blood that was shed. Uh, Beautiful. So to summarize, just as a quick bullet points, um, just to see these things. Um, my salvation, your salvation, if you're a Christian, this is what we're saying, um, has been purchased by his blood on the cross. The cross has given uh, given me a new identity. Christians everywhere are connected because of Jesus. That means here, Redeemer, we're pulled together as we take. But also, there's a point of identification with Christians worldwide uh, because uh, there's this universal church, you could call it, um, of all who believe in Jesus, not just Redeemer Church. Um, he will come again and he will make everything right. It's gonna happen in the future. Future. God is with us, um, not, not just in the past and not just in the future, but right now. Um, that's part of what we're saying when we take communion. And we're also saying, um, if my baptism said I needed Jesus to save me, communion is saying, right now, um, Lord, I need this daily bread, even spiritually. I, I need you. Um, I need you to sustain me spiritually, emotionally, physically. Um, I need you, and I'm still reliant on you now. Um, those are the kind of things that we're saying. Okay, so how I want to finish this thing is like, oh, that's incredible. Let's take, is there is a warning, all right? And that's how this thing concludes. And I want to read um, another, you know, seven, eight verses. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, because of all the things we've talked about, about what it represents, um, will be uh, will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks uh, without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have even died. Now, I don't think that's normative. I don't think that if you, like, casually take the Lord's Supper, you're going to, like, die on the spot. Uh, But I I think in this particular case, that was a judgment that had happened. And he's just telling us that's what the case was. Verse 31 says, But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. In other words, if we evaluated ourselves and, like, took some introspection and considered some things. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together and eat, wait for one another. Um, If anyone is hungry, let them go home and eat Um, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. Um, About the other things, I'll give directions when I come. So, here's what he's saying is that like there's two things we're gonna have to hold on is anyone worthy no only Christ is worthy and um, all weary broken afraid Christians are just invited come and take he's got you these elements represent it but there is a warning here to a different kind of person that feels all this is magic and has no intention to quit screaming at their children and a lot of us do yell at our children and our spouse way way too much it's like it's not a win just trust me on that um, and you, um, you have no intention of breaking off the affair, you have no intention whatsoever of, um, of, of um, stopping cheating your business that you work for, whatever it is. I mean, it could be so many different things, and you have no intention at all to stop that is what this passage is saying is that, hey, look, while on the one hand, broken, weary people that are struggling to trust the Lord are invited, the one that hypocritically is feeling like, oh, I'm fine because I came to church and I'm going I'm to go take communion casually, even though I have no intention of trusting the Lord in my life in key areas, he's saying, let's quit pretending here. I don't know what you're taking, but it ain't the Lord's Supper. All right, I don't know what that is. I mean, you took some bread. And there's some juice right there, and I guess I mean, maybe that'll tide you over till brunch, you know. But uh, but that wasn't the Lord's supper. It may be a lot of different things like that. And there's even an intentional play on the word body here in verses 27 and 29. It you know it talks about the body and the body and blood of the Lord. But in verse 29, when it says, um, "If you do this without discerning the body," That would I think it has a dual meaning of both the body of Christ that is representing what we're taking here, but elsewhere Paul talks about the body of Christ being us, the church, so what it's saying is is there's a vertical element here of yes it's the sin towards um, towards the Lord where you may be you know like you're um, having lustful thoughts, you have no intention of confronting those can be that, but there's also this horizontal element that if there's a relationship that's gone ugly and dark and um, where you're uh, talking about them and you just burn with bitterness, and he's like, you need to discern the body of Christ as well on this horizontal element, and that's the context here, isn't it? Is some are getting drunk and stuffing themselves while others don't even eat. They're hating one another, and he's like, that ain't the Lord's Supper, man. I don't know what you're calling it, but that's not what that is. So um, here's the thing. Um, If you're trying to figure out, okay, this is interesting, so that's what communion's for, here's a caution. Like, what do we do with all this? And so uh, how I'd like to conclude is just with a vertical dimension and then a horizontal dimension. So here's the thing on the vertical dimension is we are saying something beautiful in just a moment when we come and take. If you're a follower of Christ, it is beautiful, it's supernatural, it is a statement of war, is really what it is, is we are pushing back against our flesh, we're pushing back against sinful inclinations, we're pushing back against things that might divide us, Um, we are repenting of what's broken, even if it's a struggle, even if we may fall back into that, we're saying, Lord, I don't know how I'm gonna trust you in this, but man, right now, with a heart of faith, I wanna turn from that, I wanna trust you. This is a statement statement of war, of here's the reality, but I'm going to take this bread, I'm going to take this juice, remembering the cross and resurrection until you return. Someday you're going to fix it. This is a statement of what will be true as well. Um, It's just a declaration of war. It's a declaration of faith. It's a declaration that you are good and you are with me and you love me and uh, I'm unworthy, but you alone are worthy and the promises still stand. All right, so there's the vertical dimension. We're just not going to kid ourselves and we're going to open up our heart. And so if there's an area of our life that we've been unwilling to deal with and we know that there's a sin it probably even comes to your mind that you're not even fighting you're not, there's no struggle at all like you're just like you know i I do these other four things good so I'm just going to kind of go with that you know he's like no no give me that too you're not you're not doing yourself any favors just come home just come on home there's no magic properties here Um, This is a call to repentance, a call to faith, a call to joy is what we're doing. There's the vertical element. But there's also a horizontal element that um, I want to mention here too, very clearly from this whole thing today, is um, like you may feel relatively clean on all the the vertical element. and Like, all right, Lord, I'm going to resubmit for the millionth time this area of my life for you that's a struggle and maybe some anxieties I'm having and I'm afraid about um, some people in my life or the future. I'm going to trust you again. Um, but then feel great even though you know the way that you screamed at your kids and you know that you've had a falling out with someone and it's really ugly and you're the one that really caused it. And um, there's a call here to say if there's an unreconciled um, things that have gone on, if you've not at the minimum standard forgiven someone that's wronged you, and the minimum standard if you're burning in bitterness, if you've done something you know that's caused a division and you've never owned it, you've never apologized for it, um, that he'd say again, um, let's, let's not kid ourselves with this because there's this this strong horizontal component in the life of this uh, of the church and taking communion it 's a vertical statement of communion with God and it 's a horizontal statement of communion with one another and so if there's something that's messed up even in, you may take but I think at the minimum uh, standard it's like lord'm i 'm going to wrestle with this and i 'm going to go have that conversation and I am forgiving them right now in this moment uh, for this offense i 'm going to choose to let this go and i 'm going i 'm going to walk this path of forgiveness and maybe even reconciliation maybe even and restitution if you 've wronged someone, and so um, my hope would be is that I know some of this is heavy and there 's a warning here um, about hypocrisy, but there 's an invitation saying grace is real and um, repentance is beautiful, faith in Jesus is beautiful and it 's rich and come on in that 's the invitation and um, we 're actually going to move from lecture to lab right now so let's let 's do this let me pray um, so Lord would you um, would you remind all those who feel unworthy that your blood um, and its promises still stand true. Someday you're going to fix it and that there would be a celebration of this in this room and a declaration of that, even waging war against our flesh and against all dark, darkness and brokenness in our world. Also a pushback against hypocrisy. And we all have these areas in our life. Lord, please help us, help us to not take communion hypocritically today. Um, that we'd open up our whole soul to you, that there would even be mending of rifts in the life of this church, whether it's marriages or friendships or business relationships, um, that there could be a coming together by your blood, um, by your resurrection, that these things would be true and real and even a wooing into this kind of grace for some that are here that have never followed you. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.